Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Uh, we decided that we'd provide a, a little bit more entertainment today in this podcast. Well, not really, but uh, we, we're we on campus here and uh, just outside of us is a basketball game going on. So they've got some really upbeat music and I'm not quite sure how this will transfer into uh, uh, the audience, but if you do hear music, you know, we, we are not um, dancing here or... Uh, <laughs> They might be outside. It's the kids having fun on a college campus yeah. in the spring. Yeah, it's a nice day. It's a nice day. A lot of energy. Yeah. So, so today we're going to talk about mental traps and and what we may call common cognitive distortions. And I think when when we're done with this episode, you're going to be able to leave with five really solid points to take away because this one really asks each of us to individually self-reflect on on how we approach things. We ask our young people to be critical thinkers. You know, that's part of our goal is to help teach them to be critical thinkers. But we also need to be critical thinkers with ourselves. And that's what today is about. All of us have ways of thinking that may not be serving us well. Some of our thoughts serve us great. And some of our thoughts may not be serving us so well. So we want to be able to help people realize, be aware of thinking patterns that may not be quite true. Sometimes these are called cognitive distortions. I like to think of them as mental traps. So we're going to talk about a couple of different mental traps today that we just would like to raise awareness of. We can follow this pattern without even knowing it. So it's important to shine a spotlight on some common cognitive distortions. So our goal today is to take a look at our own thinking and see if there's room to grow more awareness and maybe change some thought patterns that are not serving us well at present. So just a reminder, okay, we get to choose our thoughts. You get to choose your thoughts. No other person can choose your thoughts for you. You could have literally everything taken away from you, your health, your freedom, your worldly possessions, and as long as you have a mind that still works, you get to choose your thoughts. So another reminder that our thoughts lead to our emotions, which trigger our actions. You have never had an emotion that did not begin with a thought. I was just counseling with a student earlier today who's struggling with homesickness, and it all is rooted in how they're thinking. And by the end of the session, we had some different thought patterns going on. So uh, this just works time and time and time again. So understanding this, let's take a look at some common mental traps. We like to tell ourselves stories about things that really happened. You know, there are facts of what actually happened. And then there are the stories that we tell ourselves that often kind of embellish on those facts a little bit. For example, okay, your spouse or your boyfriend seems kind of distant. He hasn't been talking very much lately. It almost seems like he's intentionally avoiding you. You begin to build a story in your mind. Is something going on at work? Is he losing interest in me? Does he not find our conversations as meaningful as I do? I think he may be thinking about leaving me. We build these stories in our minds. What's the actual fact going on here? He doesn't seem as talkative as he used to. Two days later, she finds out that he was planning a surprise birthday party and he was avoiding talking to her for fear that he would let something slip. But for two days, she tortured herself with thoughts of what could possibly be wrong. That would be an example of a mental trap where you're, you're distorting the, the facts. Have you ever done something like this? A student is repeatedly falling asleep in your class. You build the story that the child does not find your teach, teaching engaging. He's bored and he's disrespecting you. What are the facts? What's actually happening? A child is falling asleep in your class. 
You later learn that this child's parents are going through a rough patch, and as they've been arguing after the kids go to bed, he hasn't been sleeping well. Meanwhile, you are telling yourself that you're not an engaging teacher and that this child doesn't respect you, and it has had the potential to kind of harm that relationship a little bit. So sometimes we have to just step back and say, look, what are the actual facts here? And how is that different from what I'm telling myself? Here's another example. Your friend sends you something in Messenger and then deletes it before you can read it. You tell yourself a story that they were sending you something that was critical of you, and then they changed their mind and decided not to send it. You become annoyed with that friend, and you pull away and you become distant. What are the facts? The fact is they sent you something, and for some reason they changed their mind. Later on, you meet up with your friend for lunch and ask about it. And she says, oh, it was just a little meme, but... Later, I had second thoughts about sharing it. It didn't really support my values, and I thought it could have possibly been taken in the wrong way, so I just deleted it. I cherish our friendship, and I didn't want a chance hurting your feelings. But think about this. Meanwhile, for the past week, you've been thinking that your friendship is crumbling. And I particularly think this example really is just the tip of the iceberg with social media. Mm -hmm. You know, because... um, platforms like Twitter, etc., less is more. There is so much room for open interpretation. And misinterpretation. And, and misinterpretation. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think over time, I can't tell you how many ideas have been resolved or clarified mm-hmm. by just talking to the person. Uh, but yeah, very, very, very true. We yeah. tend to, at times, go down the wrong path. And and who doesn't like a story that's embellished at times, right? Mm-hmm. It draws people in. And, and yet, um, reality is often very different. Yeah, when you're telling a story, it can be entertaining. But when you're telling that story to yourself, it can make you miserable when you don't have to be miserable. Uh, unless it's a fish story, and then I'll let my <laughs> wife tell that one because she'll say, uh, I'm not embellishing, it is truth. And she's probably right on that one. Yeah, so when it comes to stories, be careful about the stories we tell ourselves. When we feel like something is off in a relationship with somebody, instead of jumping to conclusions, what else could we do? Could we just contact that person and clarify? Could we dig a little bit deeper? Could we ask some questions? Say something like, hey, this happened, and my mind started wandering to a worst-case scenario. Can you just clarify what you meant? Just open, honest dialogue conversation. And like you mentioned, not written. Written communication is a beautiful blessing, but it leaves an awful lot to be misinterpreted. So have a real conversation with somebody. So this leads me to our next mental trap, which is catastrophizing. We like to go to worst-case scenarios. If a student challenges you, suddenly you believe that they hate you. If your child doesn't feel like talking to you, they must be upset with you. If your boss calls you to the office, he must be getting ready to fire you. If you fail an assignment, you won't be able to get into college. If you gain some weight, your friends are going to find new friends. Sometimes things do escalate to worst-case scenarios. Sometimes we do let go from work. We do lose friends. A family member is upset. Yet that's not usually the case. And we spend a lot of mental energy thinking about the catastrophe that lies ahead when it may not. It is basically, catastrophizing is basically worry. And listen closely. Worry serves no positive purpose ever. Not a single one. Worry is never, ever a productive activity. Never. It is a useless emotion. If something negative is going to happen, it's going to happen if you worry about it or not. And so you just make yourself miserable about something that may not even actually happen. So we can catch our thoughts when we catastrophize. We can become aware of it. We can realize it's not helping our situation, and we can change our thought process. And that leads us away from worry. Number three on my list, 
of mental traps is emotional permanence. When we feel an emotion and then we make it permanent or try to make it permanent and we try to own it as a part of our identity, emotions are passing. That's how they're meant to be. Emotions are like clouds. They come and they go. They never stick around permanently. It's how God designed us. Our thoughts lead to our emotions, which trigger our actions. And those are all temporary and we can change them at will. It's like you can push a button and change and play, turn a different channel on the radio or on the TV. I hear many young people say that they're feeling anxious about schoolwork. So they start thinking, man, do I have an anxiety, Dr. Woolley? Or they're sad because they broke up with their girlfriend and they start thinking, I think I might be depressed. You are supposed to be sad when you lose an important relationship in your life. That's how it works. You cared about this person. That is completely normal. It is absolutely normal to be anxious about schoolwork. That means you care and you want to do well. So don't let your emotions determine your identity or your status in life. Emotions are temporary. This too shall pass, scripture tells us. And remember, the more you think a thought, the more that neural pathway develops in your brain. If you think a thought over and over again that you are sad and lonely, it becomes super easy to think that thought. But is that thought helping you to be less sad or less lonely? No. What could you think instead? You could think, I need to make a greater effort to meet people. I need to get more involved in a club or activity and be around more people. That is a thought that's going to change your mental state, and it's more likely to help you achieve your desired result. Really good information on emotions controlling mental state and Mm -hmm. and how we often just continue down the road. Uh, You you talk about sadness, uh, and yet in our society, we, we, we try to live in a world where there is no sadness and that's not reality. They, they're, you know, the Lord puts sadness in our lives for specific purposes too. So instead of trying to avoid what would be a normal emotion at that time, yes. uh, we create a condition that's... that's. I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably a third of the emotions, a third of the emotions, maybe up to a half of the emotions that you feel in any given day are not positive. Now, I know I'm, an, I'm a positive person, and I always try to put a positive spin on things. But really, honestly, there are just things that are hard and difficult and sad and anxious-producing. That's welcome to the human experience, right? It would be, It's like the color of life. It would be kind of boring if everything was, well, in here I'm going to say winter. Like, everything is white. People think that's beautiful. I think it's kind of boring. <laughs> I like the contrast of colors much more. So, you know, that's emotions are contrasts, and they're designed for a reason. Now, granted, if you don't like emotion, you don't have to sit there in it. You can change your thoughts and change the emotion, but there's nothing wrong with having that emotion. That's absolutely normal. The last mental trap I'd like to discuss with you today is polarized thinking. Professor Marty, our brains like to go naturally to all, of, all or nothing scenarios. And so we need to be aware of this and catch ourselves when we notice ourselves doing it. Polarized thinking is thinking on one end of the spectrum or the other without finding a middle ground. No matter how thin the pancake, it always has two sides. Always look at both sides. One of my mentors taught me an important lesson early on in my career. He taught me that no one is as good as I think they are and no one is as bad as I think they are. People and issues are complex and our black and white thinking doesn't serve us well. Sweeping generalizations about people doesn't serve us well. So saying something like, the media is horrible and biased. Is the media biased? Yes. The media is made up of humans, and all humans naturally have biases, including you and me. You need to be aware of those biases and use your critical thinking skills, but it does not mean that they're horrible. 
There is a lot of beautiful content that can and is distributed across various forms of media. It's not all horrible. You may think, you know, that lesson that I just taught was terrible. Well, there might have been elements of that lesson that didn't go as you had planned, but the entire lesson was not a waste. Did learning occur? Then it wasn't terrible. Some people think young kids today are all self-centered and entitled. Well, are there some teens that are self-centered at times and feel like the world owes them something? Yep, but chances are we were kind of that way at that age too. It's kind of a developmental stage, right? Uh, one of the warning signs for black and white or polarized thinking is making sweeping generalizations, stating extremes such as professional development in my school is worthless. Well, really? There isn't a little nugget that you can take away from the experience? And I think I can say from, from our experiences, this type of polarized thinking is becoming more and more prevalent in our society. And, and next time you have a conversation or you're actively listening, think about where the conversation goes and if it is hovering around positives and negatives and middle ground or if it goes rather quickly to one end or the other end of the continuum. Definitely. We have a podcast that's devoted to this. Uh, a while back, we recorded a podcast on the social dilemma, and it talks about how social media, the actual platform, flat platforms that social media are built on, they're designed to polarize. And it's not that they're trying to be evil. It's how they're monetized. It's how they make money is if they can get people thinking on opposite ends of the spectrum. And so if you want to dig into that deeper, uh, look up the, um, the podcast titled The Social Dilemma. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, with uh, moving to more hybrid teaching, online teaching, I've heard comments like, online teaching is completely ineffective. Well, granted, it may not be what you envisioned when you became a teacher. It isn't what I envisioned either. But can some quality learning happen in that environment? And I, I would suggest any environment you can have quality learning. It just depends on how much you're willing and open to look and discover it. There's always learning opportunities. Absolutely. How are you going to shape that environment? How are you going to create a culture? Entire graduate degrees of high quality and rigor can be earned in an online format, so it is possible to do it. Try to acknowledge what you're thinking, but then add, as you have this, this thought, you might want to add, however, and then look at the alternate view and just explore it. You don't have to change your mind about how you feel, but just explore. Realize that no matter how thin the pancake, it has two sides. What's the other side? And I really believe this is one of the more important lessons that we can teach our youth right now. It's an important part of critical thinking, looking at all sides of an issue. A person with their eyes closed who's explaining what an elephant is like that is just feeling the tail doesn't have a clear picture of what an elephant looks like, right? Let's open our eyes and see the whole elephant. Take time to step back, slow your thoughts, and consider the other side. This also builds empathy, which is a huge added benefit. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways for you to reflect upon. Number one, start becoming aware of thoughts that could be mental traps and realize that you have a choice. You don't have to continue thinking that way. Number two, be aware, be cognizant of the stories you may be telling and stop and ask yourself, what really are the facts? Or how can I clarify? Number three, be aware of catastrophizing and making something worse than it is. Remember, worry never serves a positive purpose. Number four, realize that emotions are temporary like clouds passing over your head. Wait it out. This emotion will pass, and it is absolutely normal to feel sad and anxious at times. It doesn't mean there is something wrong with you. 
And number five, start to notice polarized thinking and sweeping generalizations and consider if they are really true. Ask yourself, how can I look at the other side of that pancake? Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.